Culture is kind of like a hurricane. It's always rotating, it's always moving and changing and blowing. And in the last three decades or so, mainstream culture has largely embraced the LGBT movement's ideas and its ideals. These days, it's getting harder and harder to find entertainment that doesn't embrace or advocate for that worldview, but it's a worldview that is at odds with what scripture has to say about God's intended design and purposes for human sexuality. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show, focused on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks for joining us today. Well, as I talk to parents and as I respond to feedback on our reviews that we get here at Plugged In, honestly, I don't think there's a bigger issue today than what's going on with our culture's ideas about LGBT issues. Sexuality, of course, has always been an issue and often a pain point for parents as we have movies and music and TV that, you know, for decades, there's been hard stuff to deal with there. But I think what has changed recently is how much there is an emphasis on this particular form and expression of of sexuality. And we're seeing that pop up everywhere, not just in TV shows and movies aimed at adults, but a lot of kids programming as well. And I think for those of us as parents, we're often left wondering, how do I deal with this? How should we be thinking about this issue? How do we guide our kids through this barrage of messaging in the popular culture that promotes a perspective on sexuality that really is in conflict with an orthodox understanding of this issue as we see in scripture? So today, I'm going to be talking about that issue with focus on the family's Jeff Johnston, who has done a great deal of thinking about it. And in our second segment, we're going to talk about the biggest movie of the year so far, the Super Mario Brothers movie. And it feels like, well, it feels like it kind of came out of nowhere, right? I mean, it's like, ah, you know, Mario Brothers movie, who cares? And then it went out and blew up the box office with like a nuclear box office bomb and We got lots of mainstream critics scratching their heads and saying, we hated this movie. What is going on here? Well, Bob Hoos is here to answer the question, not only what's going on, but what parents need to know about the Super Mario Brothers movie. And so we've got Bob and Kennedy Unthink joining us for that segment today. Hey, guys. Hello. Hello. And I thought, you know, before we dive in deep on this question of LGBT issues in pop culture, Maybe we could have a little bit of a palate cleanser. So here's my question for you today. What is your favorite animated movie of all time and why? Yeah, well, I like animated movies a lot. I, I know it's not like a genre. Yeah, well, but it's a it's genre. kind of a genre. Sure. Not in the way of like plot development. Right, but right. I, I tend to really enjoy animated movies, so it's hard for me to pick one. But I got to say, I really like The Incredibles really like up i mean those two are both uh top contenders for me uh, another lesser uh one is probably the road to el dorado the road uh, to el dorado really enjoyed that interesting. one interesting that's a interesting deep cut choice yeah um but yeah uh those three i i like them all i think they they tell some pretty uh nice funny stories that uh have some deeper messages than you might give them credit for because yeah. you know they're all supposed to be made for kids you yeah. know you know and Kennedy and I were just talking uh just minutes ago about uh, about how you will find and be surprised sometimes by by the messages that are in kids movies you know mm-hmm. we expect kids movies to be rather 
shallow. Right. But but sometimes they have quite a bit of uh, depth to them. And and I will agree with you. I, I've yeah. said this a number of times. Incredibles is right there. Incredible. Top shelf for me. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've always loved it. And the reason for me was not only that was it fun and did it have an interesting story, but it, it just focused on family so incredibly. I mean, it was yeah. that... You had this tug and pull of this family, especially when they're dealing with their own identity. We were talking about identities. Yep. They were they were struggling with their identity and what they could or couldn't be in terms of mm-hmm. this new non-superhero world they were in. And it was tugging at their family. And, that, and in the end, they had to come back to those roots and realize that's their foundation. Yeah, and yeah. it's a wonderful film. It and is you know a, a wonderful I, film. I'm going to throw in two more that Holy I love because cow. I just love animated movies so much. Uh, first, and also I know a lot of people who are my friends would be mad at me if I didn't bring these up because I bring them up all the time. Fair the enough. Iron Giant. Oh, I love that movie. One. Yeah, um, a little bit scary for little ones though. A little bit scary, but uh, you know what? It, it tells another one. Another one of those great stories about you know, finding a family. Yeah. Uh, and same with uh, my final choice, which would be Bolt. A little lesser oh, known, a little Bolt. kind of forgettable. Yeah. But uh, I really enjoyed it. It's, it's the story about a dog who is an actor, and he, he plays a dog who has superpowers in, in this, like, TV series. But then he's grown up playing it for so long that he believes he genuinely has those powers. He doesn't realize that it's actually all the special effects. And so yeah. when he goes out into the real world and he, he starts getting hurt and he starts to realize, Oh, I'm actually not as strong as I thought I was. He starts to grapple with that. And he meets some, uh, other funny, lovable creatures who yeah. uh, come alongside him and show him that, you know, he doesn't have to be, uh, the star of the show to still be lovable. Essentially. Yeah, I reviewed and I, that one. It's really cute. Yeah. yeah. But iron giant, Ooh, oh, what an emotional ending. Yeah. I mean, bring your tissues. Yes. <laughs> well, I I racked my brain for the best answer to my very own question here, so I have no one to blame but myself. Well, we've given you so many. And yeah, I was trying to get beyond Pixar, and I couldn't. It's hard. Um, for me, as a dad, I love Finding Nemo. And it's a movie. I think a good movie is one, no matter how many times you've watched it, you can watch it again. Yes. And yeah. it's so enjoyable. And and in some ways, it it it's not a, a direct representation of the prodigal son, but it's in the neighborhood, right? Yeah. You have this alienation between a young little fish who's determined to go out and do his own thing. And then he gets in trouble and, and gets captured and, and separated from a dad who will do anything Right. to find him. Right. And um, what a beautiful message. And I think it's a, uh, there's nothing inherently spiritual in the film at all, but I think that you can easily overlay a spiritual message about yeah. the father's pursuit at any risk, at any cost to find that, you know, the lost son and to have that reconciliation. While so, still being amusing and entertaining. Yeah. 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 And it's just such a fun movie. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Well, as I mentioned in the introduction today, we're going to be talking about, well, it's kind of a hard subject. It's hard because it makes us uncomfortable as parents. We're going to be talking about sexuality and specifically LGBT issues as they're showing up in entertainment and kids entertainment uh, and just entertainment in general. And and I wanted to to start this conversation with Jeff Johnston this morning. Jeff, welcome to the Plugged In Show. Glad you are here. Hey, Adam. Thanks for having me. I wanted to start with a story that illustrates 
where we're at. Uh, and for a while, it's been a couple of years now, my family and I enjoyed the show Ellen's Game of Games, which was this sort of madcap game show where people would get slimed and dropped. And it's goofy, silly fun for the most part, but they would pull contestants out of the audience, kind of like uh, The Price is Right and Bob Barker used to do. And they pulled um, two women out who came up and they were just giddy and they said they had just gotten engaged. Now, we'll probably mention Ellen again a little bit later in this conversation. It shouldn't have been a surprise that those were the people who got pulled out. But I was watching with my family and my daughter, I think, was nine or ten at the time. And she said, you know, are two women supposed to get married to each other? And we paused it and we had a long discussion about this issue. But I think it's illustrative of where we're at as families that we're just being bombarded with LGBT messaging and messaging about sexuality in general in our culture today. It shows up in commercials. It shows up in game shows. Today, um, we're going to talk about that. And Jeff, I introduced you a minute ago, but you work here at Focus on the Family, um, really thinking through issues of sexuality and, and how they impact our family. And so welcome. And, and I would invite you just before we dive in in earnest to tell us a little bit about your job here at Focus. Sure. Well, my job is related to who I am. Okay. So it's related to my story, which is that um, I grew up in San Diego, California, um, solid Christian home, very conservative church, but in my teen years started struggling with pornography and same-sex attractions. I was a good kid. I, you know, I was in the youth group. I sang in the choir. I went overseas as a missionary for a couple of years, but I didn't know what to do with that. I didn't know mm. who to talk to. This was the 70s and 80s, and nobody was talking about yeah. these things back then. And it wasn't until I was about 25, I was invited to a conference called Hope and Healing for the Homosexual. And that was the first time I heard anyone say, There's, there may be some reasons why you're struggling this way. Hmm. And they talked about how they had left homosexuality. Okay. And so I dove into recovery, healing conferences, healing prayer, going to counseling, reading books on the topic. And it was actually after a couple of years of that that I had my first relationship with a guy. I mm. met a guy in a support group, you know, not a good thing. But um, <laughs> that relationship, I felt miserable. But um, after a couple of years of that, I finally came to a point where I said, I have to decide which way I'm going to go. Mm. Am I going to follow Jesus or am I going to go ahead and identify as gay and live that way? And I chose to follow Jesus, even if my attractions never changed. Mm-hmm. And God began to do some work in me, and I I began to change. And that was around the time I met my wife. And after a few years of dating, not dating, dating, uh, we got married. And then I moved into ministry to help people leaving homosexuality. And I was involved in ministry for about 20 years. And that's when um, I saw this job at Focus to be a gender issues analyst, and I didn't even know what they meant by that. Yeah. But they were looking for somebody to tell a story about leaving homosexuality and also um, to help provide resources for people and to research and write about these issues. So I've been here at Focus 15 years now Mm. and been doing that kind of work where we've created a lot of resources for parents especially. How do I talk to my kids about homosexuality, Um, teach your children about marriage? I mean, 
who would have thought 50 years ago that you'd have to talk to your kids about what marriage mm. really is. Yeah. But that's where we are today. And we're going to circle back to that conversation a little bit later. Yeah. So that's what I do at Focus. And now I write for the Daily Citizen, which is our culture and policy outlet. Okay. And let me just say right here, we're going to have links to those resources in the episode notes for today's show. So if this is something you want to dig deeper on, uh, be sure to check those out and uh, you'll have access to what Jeff is talking about. Well, Jeff, thank you for sharing just that sort of thumbnail sketch of your story. And I want to start with an observation and a question. You know, how did we end up here, culturally speaking? I mean, it wasn't that long ago, really, 1997, that Ellen DeGeneres' character came out on her show, Ellen, and the show was canceled like three months later. And the consensus was culturally we're not ready for that. Uh, you know, that seemed to be sort of the prevailing message at the time. And yet things changed very rapidly after that in terms of the culture's approach to this issue. So I would love for you to speak for, you know, what has happened since then that now we're in such a different place. Well, there's a, a great line in a book by Ernest Hemingway, <laughs> The Sun Also Rises, where one character asks the other one, how did you go bankrupt? <laughs> and he replies, gradually, and then all of a sudden. Wow, that's a great quote. And and that's where we are. This has been building gradually, and not just for decades, like since 97, but it's really been happening for centuries now. Yeah. Um, there's a great book by Carl Truman called Strange New World, where he talks about the philosophical issues which led us to this place where what you believe about yourself on the inside and how you define yourself is more important than physical reality. And then in the last century, the 1900s, you had doctors and academics and psychiatrists who were saying that you could raise children to be whatever sex you wanted them to be, Mm. Um, Dr. John Money. And then you had people like Alfred Kinsey, who researched men's sexual experiences. And a lot of it was fraudulent research. But what he did was he set up all these sexual experiences as if they were equivalent. Yeah. Married, um, same sex, solo sex. Right. As if they were all the same. Extramarital sex. Yeah. And that led us to where we are with our kind of moral relativism. And then you had the sexual revolution and Playboy. Um, So there are all these different threads that have led to this. Um, Even the radical feminist movement um, with the ideology that there's no real differences between men or women, Mm -hmm. except maybe some biology. Um, That's led us to this idea that um, there aren't really any differences and you can be whatever you want to be. Yeah. And then along with that, you have 50 years of gay pride, which started in 69. Now, it, 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 it is important to remember um, those in homosexuality and transgenderism didn't start the fire. Right. You know, it really grew out of all those things and the sexual revolution and our own culture of divorce and problems that straight people have with relationships. Yeah. Well, and it, it seems like there was a time, again, maybe not that long ago, that if you were a conscientious parent or a conscientious Christian parent, you know, you knew that there was this moment coming where you would have to have what we call the talk, you know, birds and the bees. Like we don't even want to use the word sex, right? Uh, We have these polite little cute euphemisms that are code for this thing we're going to talk about. And you race through it and you get done and you check the box, right? I think our moment culturally 
demands something different in part because the culture is not just having a talk. It's an ongoing conversation that feels like it's permeating everything. I mean, it's permeating advertising, marketing, commercials, kids programming. And so what do parents need to do today in terms of their relationship with their kids to combat that, to give their kids what they need to really understand the purpose and place of sexuality? Well, you're right. Sex itself is being promoted everywhere. And then you also have LGBT ideology, gender ideology, which is promoted everywhere. And I think especially since the Supreme Court decision to redefine marriage yeah. in 2015, it's legal. And so schools are going to have books with right. same-sex couples because that's the law of the land right now. And it's been that way for seven years. And then that same year was the year that Bruce Jenner came out as transgender identified. And so that just seemed to open the floodgates. Those two events especially, I think, really brought everything out into the open. And so you and I have talked about this before. It's not a matter of if your kids are going to encounter this. It's when yeah. are they going to encounter it. Right. And usually it's way before you think. Yeah. And, you know, back when I was growing up, a lot of parents didn't even talk to their kids about these issues. They right. waited for sixth grade health class to do it. Yep. But you're going to have to start early. Uh, we encourage parents to start very young. And you're not talking about sex at this point. Right. That God made marriage to be between a husband and wife. And so dad wears this ring because it's a promise to mom that mm. he's going to stay committed to her. So you can use really simple things like that. And you start to lay a foundation for deeper conversations yes. later. Yes, exactly. And you can bless your child's femininity or masculinity. You can pray for them. And talk to them how it's good to be a boy or a girl, because there is so much confusion right now. If you live in a state like Colorado, it's mandated now that social studies classes from kindergarten on up have to talk about LGBT individuals. Mm. So kids will encounter this in kindergarten in a lot of different states, mm. California, Illinois. Um, they're also starting sex ed much younger. Yeah. Even in kindergarten, talking about gender identity with five-year-olds or states that have pre-K or transitional kindergarten. They start there talking about gender identity and different types of families. So you're going to have to start very early um, discussing these issues. And again, it's not about the act. It's about being male and female, and it's about what marriage is. Yeah. You know, that leads me to another question. Uh, my 14-year-old daughter, uh, all of my kids attend what I would characterize as a, a conservative culturally conservative charter school. It's a classical curriculum. Uh, there are a lot of believers there. Um, and, and yet, um, we're having this conversation about how they're seeing LGBT stuff in their school. And, you know, she came home the other day, she's like, I feel like half the kids in my class are gay. Um, and so we talked about that. And, and so my question is, how do you see sort of the influence of our culture at work with kids identifying as queer or LGBT is that are the numbers really changing or is there something else going on here? And, and how does our our entertainment culture play into that? The numbers are skyrocketing. And it's especially with a group that never struggled with this in the past. Yeah, it's young teens older teens and young adults, and especially girls. Yeah. And there was a researcher about five years ago 
who mm-hmm. saw this, and so she started interviewing the parents. And she, and she was at was she at Brown University? Yeah, Lisa Littman, yeah, Brown University, and she got creamed for putting out this study. But she talked to the parents and said, uh, "What's going on in your child's life? What's happening with them?" And she saw some common factors. First of all, these teen girls had had some sort of trauma, often a sexual trauma. Um, They had mental health issues, depression, anxiety. Some of them had neurological issues like autism. They were surrounded by peers who were exploring this stuff together. And they were also binging on entertainment and social media. So it was kind of a perfect storm of influence, exactly. right? Reinforcing the same idea. Exactly. And th- there are hundreds of Instagram accounts and Twitter accounts and YouTube channels um, where transgender people walk kids through their transition, their so-called transition to live as the opposite sex. And then from there, it, it increased to not just going to the opposite sex, but to all these Uh, different made-up genders, non-binary, queer, and there's just been a a large increase. And I think in Gen Z, when they do some studies of that group, it's almost 20% identify as something other than male or female or heterosexual. And so young kids are following that, and then they're also getting it in entertainment. You know, when you have Arthur... Showing having, having sex, a gay marriage. Yeah, yeah. Same-sex yeah. couple or, or My Little Pony with, you know, a couple of horses yep. that are women that like each other. Or Blue's Clues, you yeah. know, a show that I think I would have voted at least likely to be, you know, the standard bearer for LGBT stuff. But now it is. I mean, it's right up there. They had a segment where a drag queen was narrating a gay pride event. And they had another on one. On Blue's Clues. On Blue's Clues. Yeah. And they had another one where they went through the whole alphabet, and P was for pride, and they showed all the different pride flags. Wow. So, yeah, it is ubiquitous, and it's in entertainment and social media especially. So how do we help our kids? And you've talked about beginning to lay the foundation for an ongoing conversation, but what are some other concrete things that parents can do when we encounter this issue, and, and especially when we encounter it maybe in entertainment or on social media? Well, a couple of things. First, I think we have to look at our own hearts. Mm. I realized about 20 or 30 years ago that I don't really love people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a problem biblically, (laughs) isn't it, Jeff? And yeah, it is. I mean, of myself, I do not love people. So I began talking to God about it. And I'd be sitting on a street corner and watching people go by and I'd say, hey, God, do you love that person? And We would talk about these things, and um, I figured out finally about five years ago why people like my wife. It's because she loves them. Hmm. So I had to learn to love people, really. And if you're coming at this issue out of anger or contempt or hatred, um, fear, Mm -hmm. your kids are going to pick that up. They're going to know that. And so you have to check your own heart first. Um, You can get angry about the public issues and about what's happening in the media, but we must demonstrate love towards people caught in these sins, yeah. just as we would with people caught in any other sin. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, and it's not just your own heart, it's your community's heart. Yeah. Are you part of a larger community that has a heart for people, but also cares about the social issues at the mm-hmm. same time and, and wants to push back some? I am so thankful for my son's wrestling coaches and their youth pastor and their Sunday school teachers and our friends who led Bible studies 
and then some of their own friends that led prayer groups and Bible studies, they were surrounded by people who were like-minded and talked about things and were deep thinkers and were working through some of these issues together. So it's not like you can isolate your kids and it's just you and them. Yeah, You have to be part of a community that is talking about these things with your children. I love that. And I think just in terms of my own experience, even though I'm I'm not one to focus on the family sexuality experts because we deal with sexuality so much in entertainment. I feel like it's one of the the biggest issues that we think about. But I think with my own kids, I have tried to help them understand there's a theological foundation that we have to have here that goes back to the fact that we're created in God's image, male and female, and that together we reflect his character and only a man and woman together can create new life, you know, which is little G godlike, if I can say, you know, we're not gods, obviously, but it's, it's reflective of the creative nature of God. And so I, I think our conversations have to go beyond, well, God doesn't think homosexuality is the right thing. Well, why? Okay, let's talk about that. And again, I think the first couple of times, maybe you wander into that conversation or find yourself there. It's uncomfortable. You know, this is not an easy or natural conversation, uh, but sometimes it just comes up out of nowhere and, and there's an opportunity. I remember I was driving my son home from school a couple of years ago and he said, dad, what's mix mean? And I'm like, you mean like a, a mixer for like, you know, food? He's like, no, no, Mr. Mrs. Mix. You know, we have a teacher at school, Mick Smith. Um, what does that mean? And so here was an opportunity being presented to talk about it. And I think television shows can do that. Like the example that I let off with movies and especially if we're at home, we can push the pause button, right? It's like, okay, you know what? This is super important. Let's talk about that. Exactly. And we have to understand marriage reflects who God is. Yes. And when you distort that, you're distorting our relationship with God, you know, Christ and the church, his bride. It's a it's a male-female relationship right. in a way. And there's also something about our individual masculinity or femininity that reflects who God is. So men in their being fathers, mm-hmm. the capacity to father, being protectors and truth-telling and standing for truth and and protecting the family and providing. That's all a picture of who God is, and it's reflected in a man's masculinity. And a woman being able to receive and respond and to bring forth new life, men can't do that. Right. And so there's something about— No matter what our culture says. No. So you have to talk <laughs> about the deeper issue of femininity and masculinity, and not in stereotypes. Right. Um, but and not in, in demeaning ways. No, no. That both are good, both are valuable, and both reflect the— image of God separately. And then together they reflect the full image of God as well. Yeah. I love that, Jeff. And I, I think that you and I could probably talk about this for a couple more hours, uh, but I'm going to bring our conversation in for a landing here today. I, I really thank you for coming on and sharing some of your story. And I hope if you're listening today, well, I hope a couple of things, I hope that this has encouraged you. And I hope that it's given you a sense of maybe new confidence that you can talk about this stuff with your kids and it they may not be easy conversations and they may feel kind of messy at times but it's so important because especially in entertainment and social media it's a conversation our culture is having all the time and it's critically important for us to engage in it as parents too so thank you Jeff thanks Adam appreciate you 
Video game movies, well, they often get a bad rap, right? I mean, it's just hard to take a game and translate it into a story on the big screen. And I think video game and film fans would say more of those films have failed than not. But I also think it's safe to say the Super Mario Brothers movie is not failing. No, no. Um, anyway, well, except for critic scores that you want to, you know, evaluate how yeah. it's doing. This sucker has blown the doors off. So, yeah. Bob, tell us a little bit about the movie itself and what parents need to know. And then maybe we can talk a little bit more about culturally. Sure. Why is this thing sure. blowing up right now? Well, and I, you know, I think I think a lot of people went in a little trepidatious thinking, oh, I love that are they word. going to destroy some of my childhood memories again? Because we've had other films, including other Mario films, yeah. if you remember anything from the 90s, no, we've that, blocked that, that one were out. total disasters. I mean, they, they were just horrible films. But the, the key to this one, um, first of all, any parents taking kids shouldn't go in expecting that it, they're going to sound and act exactly like the video game. They're not. In fact, if you look at the trailer, you'll see that they don't really sound, and they explain why, and I'm yeah. not going to give it all away, but they explain why at the top, why they don't talk with the, it's-a me! It's-a me! <laughs> yeah. But you'll, you'll get it when you, when you get there. And, um, but the, the core idea, the core storyline, and this is where actually critics have been complaining, the core storyline is fairly simple and video game-ish. It's right. that core it's idea. It's pretty linear, right? Yeah. In every single Mario uh, Brothers video game, you essentially have this core idea that Bowser's going to take over the world and Mario has to stop And them. Bowser's the big bad. Ba yeah, For Bowser's those the big uh, uh, fire-breathing fire -breathing turtle sort of character, you know. And, I've always uh, wanted one of those, that's personally. Right, yeah. So anyway, and so the storyline is fairly, fairly linear and easy. Um, it's, it begins in Brooklyn, and it focuses on the, the Mario brothers, Mario and Luigi, and they're starting their own plumbing company and that's uh and and they're really struggling because it's a not to go and yeah well. everything it seems to go wrong you know and uh then they are mysteriously sucked into this magical realm that is made up of all these different worlds including <laughs> the the mushroom the mushroom kingdom <laughs> Thank you, Kennedy. and uh so anyway they get they get pulled in there and mario meets up with this beautiful Princess Peach, and he's just gobsmacked over her. Uh, but he has to jump in to help defend the realm from Bowser, who wants, not only wants to take over everything and rule everything, but he thinks Princess Peach is pretty cool, too. Mm. And his goal is to marry her. And there's the story right there. <laughs> the, the fun comes not necessarily in thinking, man, this is not very deep, because it's not. The fun comes in just the action and the heart of the characters themselves. Um, I would say, if anything, the first half an hour from a kid's perspective is maybe a little slow because they're setting everything up. And just in case you don't know who these people are, right? Um, they're setting it up. And so... So you don't have to be a Mario super fan. No, no, you don't. Now, of course, even in that first half hour, there's all kinds of fan service all the way through it, all these little Easter eggs. Oh, there's all, tons of stuff if you've ever played the games. Uh, and so that's a big part of it. But once they get into this magical realm, 
It is just pull out the stops and have fun. You've got you've got Mario and and Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong throwing barrels and and the gang in Mario Karts and you've got everything that you would expect in a game. You've got sort of crunched into the storyline and it's really active. It's incredibly colorful and really fun. And that's why that's why the kids enjoy it. I mean, you know, we, we were talking in this this episode about about sexual identity mm. you don't have to worry about any of that stuff in here there's no secret messages there's no there's no packed in preaching it's all just get out there have fun in mario land you know my my son went to see it and he came back and said something to the effect of this is the way movies used to be yeah and he wasn't trying to offer some kind of deep philosophical or cultural critique but he just said it was so great. Yeah. It was just a movie. It yeah. wasn't trying to pretend to be anything other than it was. And I'll tell you, that's that's when movies are making money. Right. Because people are recognizing that and saying, hey, I can take my kids, right. the whole family, we can go see this. And so when you've got that kind of a film, then people are going out and enjoying it. You know, there, there's been all this talk about... Well, people just aren't getting back to the box office. Right. They're just not going back to the theater. But it's because of the kind of stuff they're putting out there. Yeah. When you when you watch the trailers for movies, you see all these message movies where they're standing up and they're thumping their chest about one issue or another. The Super Mario Brothers movie does none of that. It just goes in there. You've got these recognizable stars voicing these characters that, that people love and having a good time. Yeah. And I think that we've seen a lot of commentary in the mainstream culture where they've kind of tried to explain it away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, well, people didn't really want another Buzz Lightyear movie. I'm like, what? No, that's You're crazy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 Um, and yet we've had, you know, Puss in Boots. We've had this one. Uh, we had the Despicable Me sequel last summer. Yeah. And they've all done great. Yeah. And I think that we're getting enough data points here that suggest actually families just want family movies right. that are not full of a bunch of propaganda. And even if critics pan them, which critics have pretty much done with this, I mean, it's got like a like a 56% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Yep. Even when critics do that, if the content that families can enjoy is there, yeah. they go and they see them. Because I think what the audience score, Kennedy, yeah, it's we were 96% talking. 96% as of right now. 96%. And yeah. frankly, that's all the studios care about. They don't right. really care that well, the critics hate it. Well, that's all they should That's all they should care about. That's the point. Right. The, thing is, the thing is, if you want to make money, then make good films. Yeah. So I want to circle back, Bob. Um, we've talked relatively glowingly and plugged in terms. Is there anything that parents need to be aware of that might be a content issue, especially for, for younger viewers? Yeah. You know, there's not a lot. Um, there is thumping violence, of course. You can expect that. Bowser has sort of a habit of occasionally vaporizing people, right? Yes, he does. And uh, so there's those elements. You've got, like, you've got a bunch of good guys uh, suspended in cages, and then they're and then he decides he's going to sacrifice them all, and he starts lowering them down into this lava pit. So you've got some peril moments like that. But on the whole, everything turns out with a happy ending. I mean, you know, the people that are being lowered down into the pits, it's all stopped. You know, the, the heroes come rushing in before anything really dangerous happens. Uh, so you've got, 
those kinds of things that could be bothersome for littles, you know, little kids. So a little bit of intensity and a little just bit of, because of that. a little bit of peril. But yeah. but even that, it sounds like, is fairly cartoony. In, I mean, is in, that an accurate way to describe it? In the majority of cases, it? yes. And I mean, even when you've, when Donkey Kong is tossing huge barrels and smacking Mario up against the wall, there's only one point in the whole film when Mario gets a, a bit of thumping and then we see him and he's got like a bruise on his face and it's like, whoa, but it's put in place so that we can show that even in the tough times, Mario always bounces back. So he's a little bruised, he's a little puffy, but he says, no, I'm going to do the right thing. And he gets up and he goes back in. So it's there for a point. It's yeah. there to illustrate that, yeah, life can get you down. Life can really pummel you sometimes, but you still have to carry on. You still have to do what's right. So even though it's not a deep plot, yeah. There are some real takeaways here that oh, families there are. could there talk are. about. There are, in fact. In fact, there's, there's one element that really stood out to me. Both Mario and Donkey Kong have some problem early on with their dads. Mm. And some people might not know that Donkey Kong's dad is Cranky Kong, and he can be kind of cranky. Okay, I did not know that. <laughs> well, that go. is new information uh, for me. But in any case, both of them have some dad issues at the beginning. And by the end, because of choices they've made... Both dads come up and say, "Good job, son." Oh, you know, so awesome. it's got that family support, that sort of feel, and that was real nice. That's good. Well, and I think "nice" is is the word I want to end our conversation on because, yeah. man, there's so much out there that's not nice, right? And it feels like this is a relatively rare film in that. We don't say, well, this was good, but there's this, 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 yeah. this, and this. It's just, yeah, no, it, this it, is, it is what you see is what you it get. It didn't feel like anyone was trying to pack this film with messages that, that you might be afraid to expose to your kids to. All right. Well, now it's time for a segment on the Plugged In Show we call Name That Movie, in which each of us gives a, a sort of whimsical, exaggerated description of a movie, and the rest of us have to figure out what it is and then the rest of us you know the other two in this case since there's only three of us That's participating right. but right. uh bob kennedy who feels like they would like to go first today well i'll go first because mine's probably too easy oh i like too easy <laughs> okay it's a super mario bros <laughs> there you go super mario yeah, 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 there's the answer Daddy-o. <laughs> uh, all right a traumatized youth grows up to beat up deviants and park his car in a cave it's the Batman. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the Batman. I told you it was too easy. Well, I wasn't sure until you got to the cave. That's and right. I actually yeah. appreciated the cave as a clue I could get my mind around. <laughs> Kennedy, what do you have for us? Yeah, so I chose one that maybe you guys won't get on the first guess, but All we'll right. see. A little yeah. bit harder. Two boys discover that family game night isn't all it's cracked up to be when their house is flung into space. Oh, oh, uh, Jumanji. Not Jumanji, oh, but it is based but, on but Jumanji. But the one, the one like Jumanji, what was that called? The one like Jumanji. Yeah, yeah, Sounds yeah, like a Friends yeah. episode. It's got Josh Hutcherson as a as a child and a younger Kristen Stewart as, as well. Oh, man. oh, what was it called? It's Jumanji. directed by John Favreau. <laughs> Thanks for all those clues. My mind is completely blank. Ashley's giving a hint right now. Our producer behind the glass is doing something with doing her a big hands. Z. Z Zorro. Not no. Zorro. Zara Zaruth 
Zathura. That's close. That spoke. Okay, so we're in the ballpark. Right. What is it? It is Zathura. Zathura. Yes. Oh yes. I don't know why my. It was my, right there on the tip my, of my tongue. And <laughs> my brain the giant was, Z that Ashley was frantically drawing up. <laughs> helped me to. Well, I still didn't get it. But it is. It's very much. It's very much a Jumanji kind yeah. of movie. Well, you know, I'll, I'll give Bob the point because he said <laughs> Jumanji-esque, you know. Yes. Okay. Here we go with mine. Got it. A lovable German car steals hearts and wins Herbie races. Herbie fully loaded. Is that it? Is it Herbie? Is we, it Herbie? we can go with Herbie fully okay. loaded. I was going to go with The Love Bug, which was the original. The Love Bug. That's right. That's right. But uh, Her, Herbie was the was the remake with right, yeah. Yes, Kennedy came in on like the third generation because there was right. the '60s stuff, and then they they reloaded it in the '70s, and and then more recently. And as the Love well. Bug was a was a sweet movie. Well, like all Disney movies used to be. That's and you right. know what? Right? Anyway, <laughs> sorry, when Disney. When I grew up with with Herbie, I I thought it was kind of forgettable. I'll be honest. Oh, it's Kennedy. only until you mentioned it again that I remembered it. We'll keep praying for you that <laughs> you can fully appreciate. You know, just on a side note, I will say that when I go back and watch movies from the late 60s and early 70s, what feels different about them is how, is how slow they are. Yeah. And you get these long, mm-hmm. long shots. They're not as active. And yeah. uh, you don't have as many cuts. But anyway. But they're still really cute. They are they're really cute. cute and bouncy. And if you haven't seen The Love Bug, maybe watch it this weekend. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, guys. And we want to thank you for taking some time to join us today as well. I hope that our conversations about LGBT issues and entertainment was a helpful one for you. I know for me, as, as my wife and I raise our kids, it's an ongoing conversation. This is a difficult topic, but it's one that our culture is having and one that we need to have as well. So I hope that, that uh, my conversation with Jeff Johnson was a helpful one in that respect. And speaking of conversation, we would love to keep ours going with you. What are your thoughts about navigating sexuality issues and entertainment with your kids? What have you learned? What questions do you still have? And maybe on a lighter note, have you seen the Mario movie and and did you love it as much as Bob obviously did? You can let us know on Facebook or Instagram or just drop us a message at team at thepluggedinshow.com. And while you're at it, we would love for you to leave a review wherever you get your podcasts to let others know what The Plugged In Show is all about. Well, thanks again for spending some time with us this week. We know that there's a vast myriad of options clamoring for your attention, entertainment and podcast-wise these days. And we really appreciate that you have taken some time to spend with us today. And we hope you'll join us again next week on another episode of The Plugged In Show. Hey parents, Parent here. If you're searching for biblical and practical tips for your kids' specific age, you know, with all that extra time you have, well, you can stop. Focus on the Family has weekly agent stage emails that bring the tips to you. Each week, I get an email for my son that I can read on my phone and put directly into practice. No more sifting through junk on the internet. I can focus my time on being intentional. It's easy. Visit mykidsage.com, add your kids' age, and get to parenting better. That's mykidsage.com.